All right, what is up? Welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. As always, as we get started, we want you guys to know two very important things. That you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply. As always, for all the links for all the things, you can check us out, buddywalkwithjesus.com. Um, if you are looking to help support the ministry, you can find us patreon.com slash buddywalkwithjesus. We have all kinds of bonus materials there for you as well. And last but not least, if you are in need of prayer, do not hesitate to reach out. Prayer at buddywalkwithjesus.com. So this week, I have a uh, special guest joining us that, um, man, I'm excited for. We our, our paths have only crossed a small handful of times, but I am I'm excited to to dig into to some of the stuff that you guys have been doing. Welcome, Chris, to Buddy Walk with Jesus. Uh, let let the people know a bit about yourself. Hey, well, thanks for having me on the show. Um, do you call the people who listen your buddies? <laughs> The Buddy Walk community. Yeah, I, I feel like that's a, uh, maybe something we could we could start trending here with the welcome all the buddies to listening to the show. Uh, yeah, my name is Chris. I am a co-host of a podcast called Your Church Friends. Uh, we basically talk about the Bible. Um, we're on season four, and it, it, me and my co-host, we, we uh, go to the same church. He's the young adults pastor. I'm a deacon there. And we connected... Uh, uh, about two or three years ago, we've known each other for a long time, more of like I knew who he was, he knew who I was type thing, but uh, really connected about three to four years ago. And um, we just talked about the Bible. It was like every time we got together, we talked about Bible stuff, uh, theological things, eschological things, you know, all the logical things. And uh, and we, we just nailed it, like polar opposites of people, um, our hobbies, what we do. Uh, outside of being uh, recording and talking to each other are almost complete opposites. Uh, but we really hit it off with the Bible. And then one day we just thought like we should record some of this. So uh, we made an attempt to do that and it was not good. <laughs> I think anyone who gets into podcasting, they should really know like your first few things are not going to be fun. But uh, then we started mapping out ideas and themes of what we want to talk to. And we spent our first season on the Sermon on the Mount, 27 episodes, I believe, uh, of just going through the Sermon on the Mount. And that just became our thing is just let's chop up scripture. Let's do it. So uh, our next season, we did a little bit of a different thing. We did more of a like we brought friends in and talked to them. Um, but then last season and this season, we jumped back into it where we did uh, last season was Villains where we were looking at people in the Bible that uh, you would obviously know who are villains, but maybe some who aren't, and just looking at what made them a villain. And then that acute, that uh, escalated to the final episode that, you know, we, us, you are your greatest villain, really, when it comes down to it. And then this season, we're looking at forgotten books of the Bible. So we're basically, it's like a tribute to the Minor Prophets with some New Testament stuff in there, but it is uh, in-depth looking at it. We changed our format of like... Um, uh, we're doing a study, so we want to give historical content on the first episode, and then the next one will be more practical, like, you know, your your basic church preaching sermon style of here's seven points to make you a happier Christian type thing. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that, that struck me in listening to your stuff and, and listening to you speak at the 
at, at the the one time that you were on Kingdom on the Road was that there is this melding of worlds that you do with your content where there is a layer of application and things like that but I I personally have found it to be a potentially difficult balancing act when you go hard to one side or the other to not completely leave out the other or completely disregard the other. And so to see a show that wants to give credence to the Bible, and I know that almost sounds like a, like a weird, um, the uh, misnomer, like, of course it's, you know, it's a Christian show. We're going to give credence to the Bible, but we all know that's not always the case. And, and so to be able to see what you guys are doing and highlighting the things that you guys are highlighting in a full context sort of way, um, is really pretty cool. Yeah, it's really our goal. I think the balance does come from we're, like I said, me and Murdoch, uh, my co-host, we are completely different in even how we approach things. So he is more of your uh, historical history. I, I call him the theologian of the two of us, which he doesn't like. Um, and I, I play the the more like dumb kind of, oh, I don't know these things. I, I do know some of them, uh, but I do put more of the practical. And we found that that was a good melting pot. Like you were saying, that good blend is the two of us, um, which has then helped us individually. So it does help me now individually to where I study. I look at those things now. I want to know uh, what this means and what the, the when Jesus was on the Sermon on the Mount and we're like, well, let's start off that it wasn't really a mount. It was a hill and who he was addressing and the context behind it. Uh, because I think our philosophy really started to hit was that without context, you miss a bigger picture yeah. and the, all those practical things that you want to like have for you and, and think, okay, this is written and God's speaking to me. You don't get them fully if you don't know the context behind them. So when you start off, like, like I said, we did the sermon on the Mount, right? And verse one is now when he saw the crowd, he went up to the mountainside, sat down, his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Well, without chapter four kind of being in the premise especially when you get like like chapter uh, uh verse 23 of chapter four in matthew without hearing about him healing people and uh all the people coming to him for miracles you don't get the context then that when he sat down and the crowd came to him what he was really saying was like okay i know you're coming to me for the miracles but my mission here isn't to do the miracles my mission is to teach right and then we start to understand that what he's doing now for the next two chapters, the biggest uh, sermon that we have of Jesus recorded consistently, uh, is he's trying to teach us how to be kingdom people. And he's breaking down what we thought and how we think and how the culture of those people thought and, and what, they, what was in their heads. And he's changing it. He's like saying, this is what you understand. I'm going to flip it. And, and there's wording in there that, uh, again, without going into context of uh, their time and their customs and their traditions, you just don't get. So that really is what we've become or what we've wanted to do is uh, to under to explain things of like, here's culture to them. This is why when he, Jesus said things, it was a grenade in the room. Uh, and then this is why now it's a grenade in your life. But you don't get the complete grenade 
without getting into really the history and the context of it. Right. <clears throat> so I, I think it's it's easy in today's world of platforms to envision Jesus as monologuing, right? He's getting up and, and giving a, a nice poetic speech and and this is this is him creating content, if you will. And I know that that seems that it seems a little nonsensical to say it like that, but I do think that there's we treat we treat the Sermon on the Mount like that sometimes. But if you put it in its full context of what he was doing, what he was getting at, and then on top of it, to see in full context what the way he is subverting the norm, right? There's there's aspects of of the Sermon on the Mount that hit for 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 them then, and then there's aspects of that that hit for us now. That's a that is a living a living sermon, if you will. And the thing I'm finding the further I get down the road of academia, I guess is a good way of putting it. That that. It's, it's not an either-or sort of prospect when you talk about things like grace and love and mercy and all of those things in kingdom, right? There's a very small nuance of difference between being a kingdom person and being part of the hyper-grace movement. It's that whole idea that actions have consequences and that all of those things have come from... like This entire thing comes from God. It's literally, we are secondary. So, but but... You say a lot of the same things up until up until that point. So so having everything in context helps to be able to shape the appropriate manner that you that you approach that you to even approach the whole kingdom thing, and then from that point you start to get the weightiness of everything that's going on with what he's saying and all of those kinds of things. You struck oh, yeah. onto I, the language of Buddy Walk with Jesus with talking about the whole kingdom <laughs> thing because that is, and, and it's something that that goes largely unnoticed a lot of the time. If kingdom is not a language that you know, then then this is this is a morality play. You know what I mean? Not not yeah. literally a teaching for how to be a kingdom citizen. Yeah. It, it, one of the misconceptions that I think a lot of times that we have um, is, and I'll get to everything you're saying. I'm going to try to get this into like a nice nutshell of a, of a statement here. Um, when we look at God and people will say there's two different gods. There's the God of the Old Testament and there's the God of the New Testament, right? So the God of the Old Testament was judgment, wrath, judgment, wrath, judgment, wrath. And then the God of the New Testament is love and grace. You brought that up, the the grace. Uh, but it's all love and grace now. Don't worry about it because what you're doing is there's grace and God will forgive you. Um, he's not going to have the earth open up and just swallow you from existence. Uh, I don't know if you could hear that, but I think my neighbor is buzzsawing something in the background. So if that's getting picked up, sorry. Uh, it's all good. But uh, like I was saying, you know, that, that, that we, we think that God of the Old Testament is this mean, villainous person because of what he did. But when you look at context, the God of the Old Testament was giving grace upon grace upon grace. I think one of his the more common old traditional uh, statements is uh, God is long suffering. And that means he's patient with us. And if you look at Israel, they had decades of decades upon decades and prophets upon prophets upon prophets coming to them and saying, 
you've got to turn around. You've got to change your lifestyle with the same echoing that if you don't, this is going to happen. And then if you look at Ezekiel, Ezekiel within the first eight chapters, he consistently says, then they will know that I am God. And what is he trying to do? He's saying, I want you guys back to come to me. Yes, you were a chosen nation, but I want you just to know me. But just because you're part of that chosen nation, that chosen group that I've handpicked, didn't mean that all the people knew him. And because they didn't know him, they went off and did their own things. They want to live life their way and they chase after idols. And then you get into the New Testament, right? And everyone's like, Jesus is love. He teaches nothing but love. And we get into the Sermon on the Mount. And one of his first articles of like really coming at people was like, you've heard it said long ago, do not murder anyone who uh, anyone who murder who murders anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother is subject to the same judgment. And then you're like, wait, what? So if I just get angry at the guy who cut me off, I just murdered him. Yeah. See, you had this law that was there that said, do not murder. And Jesus said, I'm going to up that. Because the people of my kingdom need to have a difference, that they're not like everyone else. So he says, yeah, the, if you get angry, now you've murdered. If you, And he goes on, if you look at someone with the intent of lust in your heart, you've now committed adultery. Wait, wait, I thought adultery was the actual physical thing. No, this is more of an inward thing. Um, keep your, do what you say. Uh, if someone uh, hits you, turn the cheek, right? And, and what he's saying here is like, leave judgment into my hands now don't go after retaliation and then it's love your enemies well how do we love our enemies pray for them well even the pagans right he even says that even the pagans uh they love each other they do these things so what he's telling his people is that you've heard a law and i'm gonna up the ante because the kingdom needs kingdom people that you're not part of this culture, you're not part of this society, that you're not, uh, even though you're living here, you're not them. You're, uh, I think Paul calls himself, what, the an ambassador? That we are from another land and we're here and we're going to live in it. But while we're living in it, we're going to be represent representatives of that other culture. And how do we be representatives of it? Well, I don't murder people with my words. I don't murder people with my heart. I don't lust after something I shouldn't lust after. I don't get divorced and just end my marriage because we hit a rough spot. Um, I keep my oaths. What I say I do, I'm going to do. And when someone attacks me, I can take it. I can, I can absorb the attack. And when it comes to my enemies, well, I don't have to go march against a Capitol building or anywhere else in protest, I could get in my home with my family and pray for yeah. my enemies. And now there's a difference. My heart's changing. And what God and what Jesus is doing is, is it's this layer of I'm changing your heart so that way you can have a heart that's like mine, that burns for the things that I burn for, that longs for the things I long for. Uh, the simplest commands Jesus gave us is you love God and you love others. Uh, without the first one, the second one doesn't happen. And if you're not doing the second one, you really aren't doing the first one. And, and again, 
we think Jesus is always about this love. I heal people, miracle things. But he said in his own words, he's stepping it up and saying your actions have to be better. Um, but the God's the same, you know? And I think coming back to it all, the misconception when we're thinking about kingdom and who God is, uh, we got to understand who he is before we even can become part of the kingdom. And he's not a different person from the, he's not a bipolar God, like, Old Testament, he was angry, and then now New Testament, he's sunshine and lollipops. He's the same. That wrath is still there, uh, even to where Paul says we're either children of wrath or children of God. So his wrath is still there. He's just long-suffering, just like he was in the Old Testament. Uh, and the beauty of it now, though, is that if we want to be grafted into that kingdom and into that body, uh, it's there for everybody to be part of the kingdom and be part of the body. But it does come at a price and the price is deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And those three things are the heaviest of them all. Because you got to deny yourself basically seeing all the pleasures, all the desires, all the things that I want, I don't chase after. I chase after what he desires, what he wants, what pleases him. Uh, I pick up my cross, meaning I'm willing to carry what God wants me to carry. Uh, and, and the picking up the cross, what I love about that, it's not a... A one-time statement because mm -hmm. let's be real sometimes we put the cross down and we do things we shouldn't have uh, but the command is always there pick it back up pick it back up pick it back up uh, so it's a pick up the cross carry carry the message carry who he is and when you really think about it that's what it is right I'm picking up the cross well what is the cross the cross was redemption for all of us it was reconciliation it was the the death of Jesus that brought us to be able to be part of the kingdom, be part of the family. So I pick that up and I carry it with me everywhere I go. I'm carrying that message with me. Uh, and then follow me is you just, you go where he leads, you know, uh, then your kingdom, that that's kingdom mindset. That's someone who's learning to follow the rule of the king. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that that stands out to me as I've been going through, I've been slow crawling through the Old Testament, and and this has been a more of a of a season of academia than any other in my life, as far as really really sinking into the full the full weight of of the Bible and 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 really coming to understand. Okay, so what does this mean? What does this mean in context? What does the what does the the source material say? All of those kinds of things, and you know, it's so easy when you read the law, right? Okay, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. Ah, I'm not cool here, but that's okay. I'm cool. But the problem is, is that you found that one spot where you break the law, and, and for some people, it might be more. Than, I'm just saying, if it, we'll we'll go with best case scenario, and yeah. it's this one blind spot that you've got, and all of those kinds of things. Well, the problem is. Is if you brought if you broke the law there, you you broke the law. This is not you didn't kind of break the law. You broke the law. You know what I mean? Try to try to tell a police officer that you only kind of broke the law. It's not that you know what I mean. And, and so when you look at <clears throat> how God operated, there was constantly His people out of pocket, act, acting up and doing all kinds of things, and then Him constantly giving more opportunity to turn back he heard their cries he looked favorably on them he you know the, you, we constantly see these little 
phrases here and there to explain times of peace, to explain these mm-hmm. t- these times of uh, of connection with God, and that 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 sounds a whole lot like the same kind of way that we talk about Jesus, just with Jesus. It's 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 finished. It's taken care of. For those that yeah. for those that accept it, that that there you go. You know what I mean? We don't need to. It, it's not the same. The only thing that changed between the Old Testament and the New Testament is that fulfillment piece, that permanent fulfillment mm-hmm. piece. And when you understand that, a it makes a lot of the Old Testament a lot more palatable because it is hard. I'll be the first one to admit it's hard to get through some of this stuff. It's it's weighty matters, especially if you are sensitive to things like violence and things like human depravity and all of those kinds of things because it's thick. But it, if anything, shines a light on just how good God is in, in all of this, in the, in the unchanging character of God. You know what I mean? Humans change at the drop of a dime. We change our minds if the wind blows. But we, we can serve a God who, who doesn't change his mind. That is the same now, then, and forever. Yeah. And I think too, one of the things that I like uh, that you brought up was the the uh, the law thing, right? Like, um, if we uh, follow ninety nine percent of the law, uh, then we're following the law. But the reality is, no, we're not. So that one percent is still missing. That's the missing piece. That's still there. Uh, and uh, I, I was thinking about it when you're talking about it. Uh, King Saul, when we went over him for our villain series, right? Uh, so you have King Saul and you have King David. If you were to look side by side to David and Saul, uh, David outsend Saul nine to one. Yeah. Like David was a murderer. David, uh, whichever way some people want to look at it, seduced, brought in, either way, he had an affair with Bathsheba. David's pride made a decision that would jeopardize all of his family. Uh, David had a son who slept with his concubines. You know, it was just David made mistakes. Even when you look at David, his first statement is in the Bible is, so what's in it for me? You know, they're talking about Goliath and what happens, right, uh, for the man. He's like, wait, what does the person get? And then his next few things is like, oh, but he's defiling God. You know, like it, it sets you up to let you know who David really is. He's a guy who's going to struggle. He's a guy who's going to struggle, especially for uh, fame and lust. But he's a guy after God's own heart so that when David makes some mistakes, his heart's going to break. And he's going to mourn and he's going to seek God. But Saul, all Saul did was he was disobedient. He just didn't listen, right? He was like, Go out and entirely, and again, this is where, like you were saying, maybe this is a little too harsh, but God's saying wipe out a complete nation. Um, what does that mean? That means everybody. And yeah, if you want to get into biblical things, that means women and children. Like, everybody's getting eradicated. Why? From what I could tell you, it's because evil had just oversaturated, and God had to do this for his people. But what did Saul do? He didn't do it completely. He left the king, he left the sheep and the animals so that they could sacrifice them to God. And then when Samuel approached him on it, he was like, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I did it. I'm sorry I did it. But come on, come, come back with me so we could worship God and the people could see that I'm still good, right? It, it wasn't about I messed up. It was come back with me so that I could still have recognition. Right. And over the course of Saul's life, no matter what he did, uh, he never went to God. He went to a medium. He went to this. It even says it, right? He was a fool because he went to a medium and he did this uh, and he was disobedient. But the difference in the two of them is the heart that wanted to go after God, a heart that broke when he knew he messed up. And what does David say? He doesn't say, I've sinned against people. I have sinned against this. He said, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against you alone. Um, And that's where true repentance starts to creep in. That's where a lifestyle starts to change and starts to morph into a man after God's own heart is that he, he wants, his heart breaks for what God breaks. And that's what it gets into right that 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 that, that's what we're there and looking into the old testament it's such a beautiful it's a beautiful story that has a needle thread of jesus all the way through it i mean the whole bible does but the old testament it is there it it is about jesus It's about who he is what he's about to do what he's going to free us from what he's going to give us that true freedom to come to him but you need Old Testament with it, for the New Testament to be so sweet. You need Old Testament. Any writer of the New Testament was gleaning from Old Testament writing. They were looking at the prophets. They were looking at the, the law. And when you talk about the law, they wouldn't say the law and just think like the Levitical law. When they talked about the law, they talked about all five books, the stories, the messages that they learned, that they heard, that were told to them. And that's what they applied to their life. And that's where they started to get this greater understanding of what it actually all meant and the the accumulation of it all. Um, I firmly believe that today's culture, and and maybe I could be just saying something that's more of a personal thought, so maybe not a biblical thought. I'll put that out there. Maybe it's a little bit of heresy. Who knows? Um, But uh, I firmly believe our culture will be judged a little bit harder. We have every tool and every avenue to know God more intently and deeper. We can get on our computer, go online and read any commentary, anything and find it. I mean, go to YouTube. I know it's kind of of the devil sometimes, but go to YouTube and look up Bible Project. Those dudes can explain everything. There's so much great content on there. Uh, And there's just stuff. There's like our shows, podcasts, where we break down Bible and what you do. Uh, I watch your Facebook Live stuff um, as you've been journeying through the Old Testament. And yeah, you're right. It's been a journey and and, and it's been a whole thing of understanding it section by section, right? Uh, But people could go there and listen to you and how you're journeying through that and glean from it. We have so many resources. We actually, if you took all that away, we have a complete book of the Bible mm-hmm. that we could read and understand where maybe a hundred years ago, 200 years ago, there are people who didn't have the book that they could actually read and understand. Uh, so we have it all. We have history now that's getting backed up. We have archaeological things that are now backing up the biblical things. Uh, and to, to know all those things and still not know God. Oh, man. We're in trouble. You know, that 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 takes us to the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, many will say, like, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this in your name? 
and he'll say, I never knew you. Right. Because you never knew him. The one thing I'm finding is I'm going through the Old Testament, especially the prophets, is God's desire for us to know him. Mm -hmm. it, it really seems like that's the thing. That's what he wants us to do is know him, who he is, what he's about. Um, it, it seems like life gets tackled easier too when you know him, right? Because then you're ta we're talking about like applicational things, right? The Sermon on the Mount. Well, how do I... Uh, not store up treasures in heaven. Well, if I know God, I know who my true treasure is. Yep. How do I not worry? Well, if I know who God is, I'm not going to worry and, and worry in the same manner. Uh, how do I not look like a religious hip hypocrite? Well, if I know who God is, I'm not going to because my God doesn't say I have to be perfect. He says I have to be authentic. Right. So I live in authenticity and not hypocrisy. I don't put on a mask and, you know, we, we go to church and people say God is good. And everyone's like, all the time, God is good. You know, <laughs> and like, that's just an echo of something. But is there understanding behind it? Because I could say God is good in the midst of personal turmoil. Right. I could say God is good when I've lost a loved one. I could say God is good uh, through a pandemic. I could say God is good through living through uh, racial injustice. I could say God is good while living uh, through such divisiveness in our culture because God is still good. Right. What happens in my country or what's happening around me doesn't define who my God is. Who my God is defined in the pages of his book. Because if you look at the kings, right? You look at uh, First Kings, Second Kings, and the Chronicles. There is king after king after king who sucked. Like these guys, the, the Bible even says that they... Uh, they created new ways. Uh, Jezebel and Ahab, they created new ways to, to do evil. Uh, they, were, they were just like professional evildoers. A and there were chosen people living among that that still wanted God and still looked for God to provide for them. Imagine those people who hundreds of years lived through a kings and kings and kings who were doing contrary to what God had for them setting up places for them to worship other gods um, and still in the midst of that seeking after him and wanting to know him. And that happened. Even when you get into Babylon, right? You got Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, they're highlighted in Babylon. They never went in there and like King Nebuchadnezzar was like, uh, let's, let's, you've got to bow down to this image, right? That That's the thing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were like, yeah, we're not going to go protest and march around Babylon and, and, and Nebuchadnezzar statue and say we're not going to do it. They just didn't do it. Their protest was them standing up for God. Right. And what did that look like? They just wouldn't bow the knee. It, it was a simple thing of like, I just didn't bow the knee. Uh, Daniel, when uh, was told that uh, you can't pray anymore, what did he do? He went up three times and prayed facing uh, Jerusalem, right? Uh, but nowhere in the law does it say you have to pray three times a day. He just was like, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, and I'm going to trust my God. And that's how, and then, yeah, they went through the fire and in the lion's den. They went through times of torment, but their God was still good to them. He was still just. He was still holy. He was still perfect, and he still took care of them. That they came out of that, and each of them coming out of those situations were given promotions within the culture within the society like 
Daniel became second to Darius. He was second to Nebuchadnezzar. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were elevated upwards. Uh, they thrived in Babylon. They didn't try to make Babylon Jerusalem. They just tried to be godly people in Babylon. And I think getting back to culture and, and, and kingdom set philosophy is can we as followers of Christ just be followers of Christ in the country that we're in, in the midst of all the craziness that it's going through. And I think if we really are followers of Christ, we would start seeing changes. I don't think God is in the business of changing nations as much as he's changing individuals. And again, I could say that and maybe there may, that's a little bit of a crisp spin on it. So for anyone who's listening to me like, that's heresy, go read your Bible. Sure. But I do believe God is more interested in the person than he is the nation. I think once we start changing people to love God, not to follow a systematic institution that we call the church sometimes, but to love God, to want to know God, I think we're going to start seeing changes. I do believe firmly, though, that change has to start within the church. I believe that the institution needs to get a hold of knowing who God is and putting that back at the forefront. And I believe there's a lot of churches out there that are doing it. I, I firmly believe that there are churches out there striving to teach people to know God. Um, we just got to be louder than the other ones who aren't, you know? Uh, we Churches get so blasted, especially, uh, what's that one? Uh, Westboro Baptist, yep. who are always picketing at the soldier's desk, who are always doing this and that. And like, what gets put on the news? The crazy people. They're not going to put on the news the, the people who are out there feeding the homeless, who are actually tending to uh, the widows and the orphans. They're not going to put that out there. They're going to put the crazies who are out there marching and picketing and all the other stuff that they're doing. Uh, we just got to get louder with our intentions and saying this is who God is. God isn't a picket sign. He's not a rally cry. He is a loving God who wants you in his family. Yeah. <clears throat> There's so much good there because you look at something as simple as the the protesting and the rioting and the this and the, the picket fences and all of that kind of stuff, right? You have people that have these social causes that the social cause in and of them in and of itself is not the problem, but. Jesus was literally the most countercultural individual to ever walk the earth. And a lot of times it kind of gets looped in with this whole idea of us as Christians being contrarian to the world. Mm -hmm. Now, the issue is, is that if you are contrarian for contrarian's sake, what happens when you run out of things to be contrarian about? What happens when everybody agrees with you? You instantly you lose your identity. Because your identity was wrapped up in being contrarian. But if you are following God and following his ways, following the ways that, that understanding who he is, there's going to be this natural opposition that it, that you get put in against the world. That's going to naturally make you a contrarian because you are following the antithesis to the world. So if you're going out there and protesting and doing this, that, or the other thing, the question that I have is, how does that differentiate you from the world? 
How do exactly. your actions put you wholly and set apart? Because God was very clear in the Old Testament. God was very clear in the New Testament. His people are to be holy and set apart. To act differently. Mm -hmm. To do things differently. And I, I'll be, I'll, I'll stand there, right? I'm, I'm no, I'm no, no stranger to controversy, as, as you saw on Facebook. Way to get me in trouble on <laughs> Facebook the other day. Oh, that was all Murdoch. <laughs> that wasn't me. He's the guy who says that stuff, <laughs> right? Um, but the, the relationship that we have with God is individual in nature. You know, there are overarching things. There are through lines that that some some one individual is not going to be given some personal revelation that contradicts the Bible. It has to it has to line up with the Bible. It has to. But we know God. God knows us on an on a on an individual le level, and we have the opportunity to build an individual relationship with God, and so having having that and and working working out of that um really does have a lot of insinuation on what you see as wide scale change you know i i'm i'll be the first one to admit and this has gotten me in <laughs> this has got me in trouble with some of the community before um i i am not what you would call a patriotic person i'm just not mm -hmm. i think i think all politicians are liars i think uh, we i think all of you i have a very low view of humanity it, yeah. it's, it goes it goes hand in hand with that whole thing of of god being the progenitor of my faith like that that it literally starts and finishes with god and so i don't being being a a recovering addict being a person that has seen what i've seen and experienced and done and all of those kinds of things i really fundamentally do not believe that humans hold the capacity in their own hands to affect real change i think we are co-laborers i think we carry the 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 cross i think we carry the 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 weight of this in a flesh and blood sense but it is 100% God that is doing the individual change and all of those kinds of things. So th this whole idea of God change the nation, bring the nation back to you. We, we gotta, we gotta think individually. And then the individuals that are, that are, that God is, 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 is instilling this faith into and, and working in and that are open to these things. They're going to be the ones that are pushing forward the kingdom that that again god god is pushing the ball forward we are just we are just the representation here on earth so i'm right there with you that i don't i don't see it in the bible that god is in the business of of changing nations i just don't don't think that that's biblically accurate i think we in 2022 hold very tightly to a 1A and 1B scenario of the cross and the American flag. And that and that's one of the richest parts, right? To speak to the the international contingent, because so, so many people listening to us right now are not from America. And so some of this, some of this whole Christian nationalism thing 
is gonna is gonna fall a little flat. But that's the beauty to to getting a chance to speak to people from other countries because other countries don't necessarily have the same kind of hang up point of putting the cross and the American flag in the same sentence. They, they just take the cross. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, so many things I want to say from stemming off of that. Uh, where do I start first? I think I'm going to start with Daniel. Going back to Daniel, uh, thriving in Babylon. Daniel got elevated to Nebuchadnezzar's right-hand man, right? Like he's like right there with him. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar has the dream, chapter four of Daniel. Uh, so he is right there, and and the the what where Daniel is elevated to is that no matter no. Whatever law Daniel made, that could have been law. So if he said, everyone now has to worship our God, my God, that would have been law. Like, that's where he stood. Even if you look at Joseph, who was under Pharaoh, he could have had all the Egyptians worshiping God. He didn't make it a law. Uh, So what Daniel did instead was Nebuchadnezzar has his dream. And it starts off chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar, to the people in the nations, men of every language in all the world, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and the wonders of the Most High, uh, the Most High God has performed in me. Then we get the dream, right? He's like, uh, has a dream basically that he's one day going to get proud and God's going to make him a wild animal. He's going to be vanished for like, some people say seven years, some people say it was longer than that, it was seven months. Uh whatever he he had the dream he went crazy but when he had the dream he told daniel daniel interpreted it to him the dream and he was like okay so he has a dream he gets crazy and then one day he lifts his eyes back up and he's he's he just in all of his proudness just vanishing humility washes over him instead of the guy who stood on top of his kingdom and said look at what i built um he's now the guy who says God, look at what you've done. And he gets restored to his position. He gets restored to his at. The chapter ends with, uh, at the same time, uh, my sanity was restored. My honor and my splendors returned to me uh, for the glory of my kingdom. My adversaries, blah, blah, blah. All the people came back. Verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalted and glorified the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways is just. And he and those who walk in pride, he humbles. Uh, anyone listening, go and read all of chapter four my point is this daniel changed one person Mm -hmm. daniel living a godly lifestyle you you don't find much dirt on daniel uh below jesus and maybe stephen you have daniel as far as characters uh people you can look up at Uh, all the other ones they're 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 (laughs) uh gosh what's the best way to put this Uh, the trash people like me and you uh Abraham lied multiple times. He didn't trust God, uh, went out and tried to do things his way. But David, we already talked about. Moses was a murderer. Um, who else do we got in that list? Uh, uh, Adam, who's considered righteous. We all know what he did. Uh, it's just this list. Peter denied God. Uh, Paul was a murderer. Like this list of people who we want to elevate as heroes. Jonah, who's a toad as a kid story, as a hero. Uh, is a reluctant prophet he did not want to do what he was doing uh samson we paint him as uh the big old strong guy who took down the philistines but as we looked at him through the villains there's no redeemable character in samson 
And the list goes on and on and on that these people made mistakes. And Daniel, you get this one person who actually you don't really hear much about any mistakes. You just see the good. And all that led to him just being a godly influence, talking about who God was, standing up for what was right, standing up for God, to the change of the king of Babylon. The Babylon being, being in the Bible, the, the, the pinnacle of evil, evil's uh, palace, if you will, is Babylon. And the king of that now praises and exalts the God of high and says everything he does is just and right. He changed a person, and that didn't change a nation. Now, historically, we could look at what happens when a nation is under the umbrella of God, and we got Constantine in Rome, and that didn't go well for a lot of people. And even with America, and, and before I even get on it, I love America. I love that I'm born here. I think we have great things that happen here. I enjoy the benefits and the freedoms that this country provides. But these freedoms aren't the true freedoms. Right. The true freedom I find is in Christ. Uh, and if a nation were to make laws and regulations saying this is how uh, you, this is the God you have to follow, this is the rules you have to follow, what you're going to find are a bunch of people following the rules just so they don't get in trouble, but not ever knowing God. And then we're missing the big picture. That it's all about knowing God. It's the same reason why there's no sustainability from the preacher who says, come to Jesus and you're, or you're going to burn in hell. Because you're going to get that person to come to Jesus because they don't want to burn in hell. But you don't got that person coming to Jesus because they want a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. So when the fear is gone then you go back to doing what you want and on the flip side of it it's the same thing to just say hey just come say this prayer and and that's all you need and then you'll be saved well well yeah i did the thing you know the seeker friendly thing let's not talk about sin let's not say the word repentance let's not tell people they're children of wrath you know let's let's sugarcoat it the seeker friendly movement that happened within the church well the same problem is is that the moment that feeling of ecstasy dies off, then you go back to doing what you want. Yep. See, true repentance comes once you understand the punishment is that you are condemned. We are all worthy of condemnation, but Jesus came and freed us from that. And once you accept him and want a relationship with him, you're free of that condemnation. And then you have this desire to know God. I love in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. And when you think about it, like you start putting the puzzle together, right? Peacemakers, he's talking about people who are people who bring peace. It doesn't mean I'm passive or that I allow all the things to happen so that there's peace. Uh, But where I go, right, the the shoes are the God. When you look at the arm of the God, the shoes are peace, meaning everywhere I walk, I'm bringing peace. I'm bringing peace, not because of what I'm saying or what I'm doing, but because of who he is walking with me. It brings peace. Um. And he lays it all out. Like you are saying, Jesus contrarian. Like he just changes the whole thing. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble. Nebuchadnezzar would say the same thing. Blessed are the humble because the proud, you fall. You fall hard. Uh, blessed are those who are persecuted. Wait, what? I, I got to get persecuted? Yeah. Because people aren't going to like what you're saying. And it's okay. It's not meant for everybody, which is scary. I just don't know who it's meant for and who it's not. So my goal is to tell everyone who I know who who 
who it is, you know, tell them about God. But yeah, it's about changing the person. Mm-hmm. And Jesus wants to flip all of it. He wants to get us to think outside of it that meekness is the way to live. It's not chasing after things through power and corruption. Um, that it's it's being poor in spirit, knowing where you're at. That I need God. It's outside of God, I am nothing. Uh, and then, like I said, the peacemaker, my favorite one, uh, those who seek and hunger after righteousness, that you actually desire God more than anything else. Um, there is this guy, I think his name's Tony Capello. I might be wrong. He's T- a Tony Capello. Okay, cool. Uh, he went to Hawaii, and he tells the story in a book. He went, he lived in the East Coast, so he went to Hawaii, and that's a six-hour time change for him. So he was like, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I feel like I should be going to bed because, to me, that's like 9 o'clock. So my body was all messed up, so I'm waking up at 3 p.m., and he said, I, I got up, and I'm walking around, and the only place I could find open was this bar, and I was hungry, so I went there and got some food and ate. And while I was there, uh, the prostitutes would come in after the shifts were over. And they would just come in there, and he'd sit there, and they're talking, and they'll talk to him. And uh, so he did that one night. And then I guess the, I, I might be butchering the story a little bit, but the next night they come in and they say that one, the next night is one of the girls' birthday par- birthdays. And so Tony says uh, to the, the guy who runs the shop, like, hey, let's, let's make her a cake. For when she comes in here the next night and seeing happy birthday to her and like let's decorate everything the shop owner was like yeah let's do it so he does it and they do it and they have everything decorated they even got some of the uh prostitutes to join in on the party and everything and help plan it um and so she comes walking in i think her name was agnes and she comes walk agnes comes walking in and they sing happy birthday to her and they bring her the cake and she's just stunned and she doesn't know what to do and she's just like walks away and and everyone's like whoa what did we do something wrong and then eventually they they get agnes they bring her back and they blow out the cake and then uh, as the 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 owner of the shop and tony were talking uh eventually they find out that tony was a pastor oh because he said uh when agnes walked away he said let's pray for her uh, let's pray for her and everyone got together and they prayed for her and so then the guy finds out that he's a pastor and he said i didn't know you're a pastor and he's like yeah and the guy goes uh, what church do you pastor at uh, and he says something along the lines of where and everything, but eventually the guy goes, uh, uh, if I would go to the church that threw birthday parties for prostitutes, I just don't think that exists. Um, and again, I think I'm butchering it a little bit, but the point is, uh, what are we doing as a church? Right. What are we doing as people? If we're so conscious about getting people into a religion, we're not doing the right thing. If we're solely conscious on getting people into a relationship with God, then that means we're doing that wherever we are. And it's not about the facility or an institution. It's about where you are and where God has you. And I really like that story about Tony because it sheds light that, you know, this guy's like, there's no churches that exist out there that do this. There should be. We should be caring about the loss. Jesus was so contrary that he went into the homes of the tax collectors the Pharisees talked to the, the prostitutes, had the lame come up to him, had uh, lepers come to him and touch him. A woman who was bleeding for 12 years, the moment she touched his cloak, she just broke the law. She made another person unclean. That's why when Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples are like, what do you mean who touched you? We're a bunch of people around us. He's like, no, 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 someone touched me. 
That's why she didn't speak up right away. Because she knew she had just made all those people unclean and Jesus unclean. And that's the kind of Jesus that we have. That's the kind of God that we have who that would go out of his way while I was still an enemy to him. He would die for me. And if we modeled that philosophy in our own lives, what would the change be? You right. know, like we talked about it, like there's a lot of issues and, and uh, our government is not the answer. If we as a church are looking for our government to make rulings and decisions to to change laws into our favor so that that way people could be better, that's not the answer. The laws are never the answer. Jesus is. Getting Jesus into someone's life is going to change them. If we're really to looking to seek to change the things that are around us, it's not through our government. And and you know what? I'm not as hard-nosed as you are on them. I believe there are some in there who love Jesus. And, and I pray and thank God for those people who are in there trying to, to updo the system, through the system. Yeah. Um, but they're not the answers. We're not our own savior. And right. no one is our savior other than our savior. Um, so what do we do as Christians then, right? What do we do? Uh, if we're like, okay, well, you know, I'm not part of the kingdom. What do I do? Well, I pray. I pray for the president in all of his stumbling ways and every president before him who did the same things. I pray for the president that will come next. I pray for the governor who's in charge of the state. I'm in California. It's a trash trash fire over here in California. It's burning every summer. Um, homelessness is crazy. Uh, it, California is everything that people from like middle America fear. It really is. You know, anything you think of California is like, yeah, it's the truth. It's crazy out here. But God needs us here too. You know, I can't just, and trust me, I would love to move away from here. And we can if we wanted to. Uh, but for some reason, God keeps closing the door on that. And, and maybe I'm here for that reason. Uh, but I pray for our governor. I pray for my mayor. Yes. I pray for all these politicians because uh, I may not want them to change their policies, but I do want God to change their hearts. And I think if he changes their hearts, then we'll see a different thing. Uh, so I, I'm a firm believer. And uh, it's one thing you hear, you probably hear it if you listen to our show a lot. Uh, prayer, prayer, and prayer is the answer. Um, yes, there are times when we take get up and we take arms and we, not arms like with weapons, uh, but arms, locking each other's arms and, and coming together. And maybe, maybe we go out to an area that's being protested and pray, just pray, get in a circle and pray for people. You know, it's crazy with like this abortion thing that's going on. Uh, would it be any different of a protesting setting if instead of Christians rallying on one side or even some Christians who rally on the other side, if we just rallied together and we just prayed in the midst of that, that we brought peace in the midst of division and anger and hatred. If we walked in and said, no, 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 I'm not going to get into it about pro-life or pro-choice. We're not even going to talk about your body, your rights, or the baby, when it's real and when it's not. Pray with us. We're just going to pray. We're going to pray for God's mercy to just get on all of us right now. We're going to pray for His grace to saturate this situation. We're going to pray for His love to come down and shine this light on us. Maybe we're not going to change a law, but I guarantee we'll change some lives. And I think that's important. Yeah. 
yeah. Uh, the way the way we the way we navigate these situations matters. Our words matter. Our and and honestly, at the end of the day, you know, I I used to be nigh militant about my my stance against some of this stuff and things like that it's it's been a, an interesting experience because the community has had an opportunity to watch me mature in my faith real time over the last three and a half years and it, it i i just re-released a, a a remix of an uh, of an episode that uh, my old co-host and i did about two years ago called jesus versus religion and it's it's kind of a uh, reading a, a spoken word piece that was put out about ten years ago and responding and back and forth, and and in 2020 when I first read it out, uh, dude, I was bitter. I was so bitter, and because <laughs> I just I all all I saw was garbage out of the mouth of saints. I uh, just I I saw nothing but but people at each other's throats and standing up for this and that and all this kind of stuff. And, and so the first attempt at that very much came came out like the religion part of it is bad. The God part of it is good. Uh, I, I have come I've since come around to the fact that like Christianity is not just a relationship. It is literally the definition of a religion like d verbatim. It is it is a religion, but there is the relationship portion of it. And we can have whatever side, we can have whatever stance. I, I've I've come around to this whole idea of of Christians being involved in politics and all of that kind of stuff. I used to be hardcore, like don't don't waste your time. You're literally just wasting your time being involved in politics or whatever. If that's if that's your bag, then that's your bag. But at the end of the day, regardless of where you where you fall on whatever issue, what are you doing? Are you still loving God? Are you still loving others? We can get into the rest. Mm -hmm. Are you still loving God? Are you still loving others? And are you still walking out what you're supposed to be walking out, praying and serving and doing those things that all come from as a byproduct of having that intimate relationship with God? And the the thing that 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 keeps coming up to me, the further that I get into scripture and allowing scripture to speak for itself, we do a lot of talking in front of the microphone, but we need to be able to, to keep tethered to this whole idea of allowing scripture to speak for itself and having that be this important piece. And in that, the more you get to know God, the more that you get to know his word, the more you get to understand how intimate and rich and vibrant the relationship is there and that the kingdom is here as well as to come that that's the precipice for change that's that's the mm -hmm. thing that that changes our own individual lives and and puts us in a position to truly understand what it is that we're doing when we respond to these things because we all we all mess up right we all we all have our stumbling moments and we all have our things that we're passionate about and all of those kinds of things but when we come across something that we disagree with how do we react to it when we come across something or when we mess up ourselves how do we react to it do we want to just brush it under the rug or do we want to actually repent not just in the sense of saying oh god i'm sorry but like actively moving in the different direction from what it is that you were doing. Yeah. I, 
I think of it this way. Um, a lot of times we want to look at things and like uh, chuck the flag out of the building, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, but reality is, is what, what, what's set up in a lot of people is that you have a flag that's in front of the cross. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with loving your country and patriotism. It's its placement in your life. Right. If it's at the forefront, if it's before God, it's now lost. It's become an idol. But you can say that about anything. If my money goes in front of God, it's an idol. If, if my desire to have sex with everyone I meet, it, it becomes my idol. If uh, power or status or now social media fame is more important than my God, then then that's an idol. Like my family, my ministry, even the good things that you want, as lo whenever they're in the wrong spot, there are idols. Right. So it's really learning to flip it and have everything tracked behind where it belongs. God, that relationship's key. That relationship's first. That's number one. Then we start tearing down these things behind us and, and everything falls in line with it. Uh, so a lot of times what we want to do is we want to believe our life is the filing cabinet and that uh, Christ is just another file we put into the cabinet. So we could be like a Republican, so that's in my life. And I'm a, a, a conservative, so that's in my life. But I'm also Hispanic, so that's in my life. And uh, I'm a male, and that's in the filing cabinet. You know what I'm saying? Like, Or I'm a, a CEO of this company, that's in the filing cabinet. I'm a husband, that's in this. So we're filing all these things that we are into the cabinet and saying, that's me. And then we do that with Jesus. Jesus, you're in my life, so I'm going to file you inside of it. But really, Jesus isn't a file in our life he's the filing cabinet yep and everything goes into him so who i am as a parent now isn't defined by me it's defined by him who i am as a husband is defined by him and, and right you could be a republican or a democrat i don't care or independent or libertarian whichever you choose but if that folder isn't filed into Jesus and aligned with who he is before anything else, then it's in the wrong place. Yep. If it's, if I'm a, a Republican Christian, you got it twisted, man. You can't be a Republican Christian. You can only be a follower of Christ. It's not Jesus and this, it's just Jesus. And then everything else falls behind it. Um, and that's a real check on the heart. And that's something that's hard for people to take sometimes. And it's hard for people to get through. It was a journey for myself. It was a, a journey to understand where I am at in a lot of things. You know, I, I was never really political growing up. I, I never really cared about politics, but it's the oddest thing that when we hit this pandemic, it made people care about things that they really didn't care about before. And it made people vocal about things that maybe they were never vocal about before. Um, I feel like a lot of it was because we were all stuck at home and had nothing else to do. Uh, but I got caught up in the wave. And I found, and here's the scary part uh, about it, man, is that we catch ourselves turning our brothers into enemies. We catch ourselves turning our friends into the villain. And we catch ourselves no longer loving others. And like I said, if we're not loving others, then are we really loving God? Um, and it, it, culture and society are looking to divide us consistently. We went from uh, uh, 
a pandemic that divided us on what we thought about it and what we stood on it. From mass to vaccines to mass to vaccines to quarantining to not quarantining to seeing your family to not seeing your family uh, to racial injustice to political separation. And even now they're doing it again now with abortion. It's our, our system is set to divide us. Yeah. Because they don't want us united in love. They don't want us loving each other. The scary part is if we are the Christians fall into that trap. That's where we got to start checking ourselves. That I, if I can look at someone at the other side of the table, and even though I know they're on the other side of the table, can I still love them? And if I can't, then something's wrong with my relationship with God, and I need to check that first. Um, I had a big falling uh, in my Christian life. I grew up a Christian, so I, I grew up in church. I, I, I actually didn't even know I was Hispanic until like fourth or fifth grade. I just thought I was a Christian. I thought that was my nationality because we were just going to church. Like my, we, yeah, we ate Mexican food, but like we also ate hamburgers. Like it was a, a melting pot at, at my house of food. So there was never any like thing that made it stand out. Uh, so I grew up in the church and I went my whole life uh, and then started pastoring and doing ministry. And then at some point I got burnt out. Really, it became more of me just putting on a mask and a facade uh, and trying to be perfect knowing I was far from it and I just crumbled under the weight of perfection. Um, but when I journeyed back after a, a year or so of being angry at God, angry at everything, hating and just being this rage monster, um, one of the first things that hit me was this concept that uh, I needed to love God again. I needed to fall in love with him again. And, and dude, it's been the craziest ride that once I got that strained out, man, once I got that fixed and taken care of, I was able to love my wife again. Like we were on the verge of divorce. I was, I was able to love her again. I was able to love my family. I was able to love the church. And I was able to love my calling that God put on my heart a long time ago. Uh, but whenever those other four start getting a little whacked, it's because that first one isn't there. So I guess to sum up everything that I've been saying, kingdom mind, what is a kingdom person? Uh, it's someone who loves God. You hunger, you thirst for it, you just want to know him. And then your life is defined by that. Yeah. I really wish that we as Christians would stop trying to define our lives by anything else but loving God. Yep. I think we would see a change in the world and society and the people around us. Um, more people would want to come to know God. The church would stop being looked at as a place full of hypocrites a church that's only a place that's only after your money it would really be known for what it should be a, a place where people can come and know and love god um, that has to be forefront jesus said it himself everything else stands on that the, the what are the greatest commandments to love god and love others everything else the prophets and everyone else said somehow takes you to that destination if it's don't murder someone, that's because if you murder someone, you don't love them. If it's honoring God's name, that's taking you to God and loving him. But the, the all the other things, they, they take you to that destination. And the first spot has to be loving God. Uh, without getting there, we're, we're going to flounder. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna mess up more than we should. It's like I said, the difference between Saul and David. Uh, even though David outsinned Saul 9 to 1, the difference was... Uh, David loved God and wanted to know him and even in the midst of his mistakes went 
went to him. David would pray, I'm not going to this battle unless you go with me. Right. Saul just was like, let's do it. Let's do it. I am not even going to seek God anymore. In fact, even when Saul was at loss, even when Saul was at his lowest point, he went to Endor, not the Star Wars place, <laughs> but Endor, the earthly place. He went there. There weren't any little cute little teddy bears, uh, Ewoks running around there. Uh, he, he went to uh, a witch there, yeah. not to contact God, but to contact Samuel so that Samuel could then tell him what God is saying. David, when David messed up and Nathan said, came up to him and said, you're the man, David. You're the, you took the sheep from that person, meaning you killed Uriah and took his wife. David broke down and went to God. And his prayer was, we could read in the Psalms, change my heart, created me a new heart. And that's the separation between it is that when you know God, you're going to always go go to know him more, even in the midst of mistakes. When, when you're not, you're, you're not, you're going to go to the witch on indoor. Right. Man, this has been, it's, it's, I feel like over the last couple of, of months, God has really awoken this importance. It, like maybe convicted me, made me realize the fact that like uh, scripture is important and and the context of it all is important. And getting a chance to talk to other people that kind of get the gimmick, right? You know, we talk about the we talk about the dichotomy between the application layer and the biblical layer. Well. In, in my opinion, as somebody who has walked both worlds, the world of the non-believer and the world of the believer, the the way that the that the application layer becomes significant and rich in all of these things that we talk about is by way of the biblical layer, of understanding the scriptures, of understanding the dichotomy of it all, understanding our place in it all, all of those kinds of things. And so to... to hear from somebody else that understands all of that and is teaching all of that um is in so many ways like a breath of fresh air because it's not not everybody is you know what i mean because a lot of this stuff naturally puts you against in in kind of uh again contrarian to that mainstream Christian appeal that kind of pervades a lot of what is mm -hmm. most popularly taught because there are a couple of things in this that you have to reconcile in order to be cool with this mode of thinking that people mm -hmm. are bad, God is good, and that our own fleshly desires are not, and sh I, should, I should say, should not be the king of what we do and, and the driving force behind it. So, Awesome conversation, man. Um, why don't you go ahead and let the people know where they can find you if they want to hear more from you. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this, man. I'm so glad you reached out to, to have me on here. Um, and, and you took me a little bit out of my element when you said I couldn't have notes and just come and have a conversation with you. Um, I'm, I'm such a, a note prepper. And, and, and as far our show is based on conversation, but it is uh, notes 
for me so I could keep track of where I'm going and everything and not get lost in rambling like I do sometimes. Uh, but thank you for, for doing this. Uh, even, even having to step out of my comfort zone that you could, I don't know if you could see, but there's like no notes. I just had my Bible only. I didn't even bring anything up on, on, uh, my computer. I think the last time I was with you, uh, doing the, the Saturday thing, uh, yeah. I was popping up notes on my computer while other people were talking. Right. Uh, cause that, that's just who I am. But, uh, this is, this has been cool. Uh, yeah. If you, if people want to listen to more, you could visit our website. It's yourchurchfriends.rocks. And that's rocks like R O C K S. Um, we, we're not a dot com or a dot rocks because uh, we haven't done it in a while, but our old tagline used to be because we rocks. Um, <laughs> but we, we kind of dropped that for some reason. We just talk about the show. Um, but you can find us there. We're, we're also on any like podcasting platform. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, um, Podchaser, uh, Castro, whatever you want to list it. Where you can find us there. Just look up your church friends. It's the logo with the glasses, and it looks like eyebrows raised, and there looks like two little things on the glasses. Those are eggs, um, because I own chickens, and my co-host wears glasses. So that's kind of where our logo came from. Um, but yeah, you can find us there, but this has been great. I, I, I really think this has been awesome. Um, I, I want to touch on one thing you said, and then I, then I, I swear I'm done, but that's the problem when you're, you're a preacher teacher. You just love talking. Yep. Um, desires you know like i don't really think uh the devil is against giving us our pleasures or our desires uh or the things that we seek after um because he could use those things to get us to seek those more than he can than we're seeking after god um so when you're like i i desire to have these things he's like sure take it because if you take this you're not gonna want god more um i'm reading a really cool book it's called not safe by mark batterson and in there, he has a chapter about uh, about Isaac, and Isaac was the dream of Abraham, and uh, it, it was really cool to read, saying like the dream had to die, and God had to know that he was more important than the dream. And the moment he found out that Abraham was willing to give up the dream, you know, they they found the ram and everything worked out for them, but. Um, could we lay our passions, desires, our wants, our dreams at the foot of Jesus and say whatever happens, happens? Uh, I think that's a big question to ask every, ourselves. And, and, and that's going to let you know where you're at. That's going to let you know where your heart is, if it's for the kingdom or it's for the kingdom of yourself. Because uh, I could build little kingdoms all over the place. I could build little Chris kingdoms and, and I, could, I could put those everywhere. Uh, but what am I really trying to do? And, and that's our goal with our podcast. Uh, if, if people listen... I'm really thankful, like super thankful that for everyone who listens to the podcast, um, but I'm not trying to make that podcast a kingdom of Chris. And I think that's why we stick to the verses and we let it hit our hearts before it hits the microphones uh, because we're trying to give God glory in it all. I want to just put statues of God's glory in the midst of everything we do so that at the end of the day, people aren't like, man, you're so great, Chris. Uh, they're like, your God is good. And I could, I, then I could say, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and all the time means in the midst of it all. Um, but he's, he's the one, the good, he's the one that deserves, deserves all the glory. And that's how I keep myself kingdom mindset is that every time, um, I walk away from something, I praise God for it, especially things like this, like getting asked to be on someone's podcast as a guest, speaking in front of our church when sometimes I preach or teach. I walk away from that and I say, God, to you be the glory for everything that was done because 
Uh, I know me. I'm a Nebuchadnezzar at heart, and I will stand on top of whatever I accomplish and say, "Look at what I've done." Yeah. And that takes me out of the kingdom. That that removes me. So yeah, yeah. Like I said, I could keep rambling on and on, but yeah, you can find us yourchurchfriends.rocks. It's uh, me and Murdoch, and we just have a good time laughing and talking about uh, nonsensical things to then getting into the word and still having a little bit of fun in there. Um, I believe we could be serious about the word, but we could also have some fun while we're doing it. I wish I could have brought more fun to this conversation, but this one was heavy. It, it sometimes the conversation is not going to always be fun, uh, but uh, or throw in a pop culture reference for people to get. But uh, yeah, like I said, sometimes you know you got to approach things how they are. Um, but yeah, our our goal really is to have conversations like this, and uh, I find it beautiful that when Christians get together and we talk, we seem to know God more. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I think the 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 thesis statement for me became clear pretty early on that when when christians come together and we could go down the road of of where two or more are gathered and all of that kind of stuff I'm, I'm not sure that that verse means what people think it means but that's a whole other conversation um <laughs> but but still at the end of the day when authenticity is first like that authentic relationship with God when that authenticity about life and life in the kingdom and all of that gets, gets pushed forward like that there, there's beauty that has, that has a way of coming to the surface in that. So, yeah, it's really important. Authenticity, authenticity, authenticity. Uh, it's the drum that I've been beating for the last few years um, because I lived a life that wasn't authentic. Uh, yep. And now I see the necessity for authenticity uh, I'm okay with people knowing that I have depression, that I have anxiety, that I'm a little OCD. I can't, for some reason, on a microwave, push the five or zero button. Like it, I can't do 30 seconds. I can't do a, a minute in five seconds. It has to be like a minute four. It has to be 29 seconds or 31 seconds. That's my OCD. Um, and I'm all okay with being honest and raw about it. I'm okay with telling people that, yeah, I was a pastor and I almost lost my marriage and my family. Um, because authenticity is what the world desires. It's what it craves in our Christian from us as Christians. And if we could be authentic with them, if we could sit there and say, I have depression and they could say me too, then you, then you're in, you're in the conversation. Well, wh what is your, how does, what do you do to help yours? Oh, I, I put on praise music. What, what? Yeah. I put on praise music for some reason that, that helps change the, the heart and the environment. I listen to a sermon but you don't take a medicine or a medication or you, you don't do all these other things. No, I run to the feet of the cross. Now I'm in the conversation and I could help someone. Um, but it's authenticity. I could say my marriage almost fell apart and someone be like, what, really? Yeah, like, really? Me too. Come here, I, I understand. That's what love is, you know? Love, love isn't uh, standing from a pedestal preaching. Love is uh, getting off the pedestal, getting off the platform that we create and going down and getting into the nitty gritty and the dirty. That's what Jesus yep. did. Prostitutes, tax collectors, Pharisees, lepers, you know? He got into the nitty gritty of it. That, that, that's, that's our God. And, and that God didn't change. Jesus didn't bring something different. God always got into the dirty. Adam and Eve in the garden when they sinned, where'd he go? Right there with them. Walked amongst them to find them in the dirty of it. Um, and he does it for uh, throughout the whole Old Testament. Whenever the people mess up, he gets in the dirty of it with them. Um, and, and that's because he loves us. 
and he's he wants us to want to know him yeah and being honest about the about the realities of this world gives us something that we can that we can relate on you know what i mean and and the hope is is that we can get we can get off a go when it comes to should you, shouldn't I, are you sinning by having depression? Are you sinning by taking medication? Are you sinning by doing this, that, or the other thing? And maybe let's let's take the focus, put it back over on God. And mm-hmm. and that's something way mightier than whether or not, because the thing is, is it's all individualistic. And if we can have those kinds of conversations that are deeper and be honest and open and all of those kinds of things, then we have the opportunity to be able to to point to God in the midst of the mess, in the midst of the yeah. nonsense, in the midst of what's going on. So, mm-hmm. but all right, man. Well, I appreciate your time and we'll have to do this again soon.